I was practically around 11 years old. I can remember my dad telling me that what is, what's important in life is not how much you earn, how much money that you will earn is not important, but it's how much respect that you've gained in the society is more important than the money that you will be gaining from the society. That's, what, that, that's the, the value that he left me before he passed away six years after. So if you look at entrepreneurs as one of those who energizes the economy, that makes the money go round, that treats money like manure, that you need to spread it and encourage new things to grow, as Barbara Streisand said it in a concert, then the one spreading the manure, the money, is a hero in his own I really like that metaphor. And encourage them to bloom. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence so you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I have live on the line Samantha Tan. Um, Sam, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Awesome. I'm so glad to have you here, Sam. Um, uh, So Sam is our first guest from the Philippines um, Mm -hmm. and you're in uh, Cagande Oro, is that right? Yes, that's right. And it's a privilege to be here and to be the first Filipino guest of this show. Awesome. I'm really glad to have you here. So I'm going to do a quick introduction for our audience who may or may not know who you are. So Sam is a retired mm-hmm. lawyer um, and you're working now as a real estate lessor and senior legal officer. Um, and you've started volunteering and supporting cause advocacies, um, advocacies like women's rights, issues on LGBT um, and HIV awareness, um, mm-hmm. just to name a few. So what I wanna start with is, uh, what is it that you're best known for now? What is it that your business is like? Who do you serve and what do you do for them? Well, because I'm into real estate leasing and I lease out commercial spaces. So therefore my interaction is primarily is with local entrepreneurs. These are small scale, medium, small medium entrepreneurs. These are the ones who really work it hard, earned money, gained enough capitalization to be able to set up a business of their own with no business models to follow. And it is a business model that they've created by experience, basically. Awesome, and so you help them find uh, places to operate in uh, yeah. in your city. Yeah. My My business is I lease out my spaces. I own the spaces. I lease it out to them. Okay, that makes sense. I own several commercial spaces. I lease it out to them as their commercial venue. 
So that's where they will do their trading. So usually, awesome. makes, my, mm -hmm. so that makes so, a lot of sense. Uh, go ahead. So my lessees, my tenants, are usually I have a a big shop, an agricultural supply, and there's one Japanese surplus appliances company, and I have one who's into selling of motorbikes and bicycle spark parts and some basic grocery items and the sixth one is basic vegetable market vegetables business and awesome. another one so you're is, uh, uh, hmm. I say you're in the business of su supporting small businesses then sort of it's like uh, I would call it a symbiotic relationship that if I would be able to help them out with their business, it's like a partnership. So if their business would grow, I would also grow. Yeah, makes a lot so of sense. I, right, because I earn from them, so I have to make sure that the lease that I would be giving to them, uh, asking from them, would be something that would not be too, too expensive that I would kill their business but it must be something that will start their business and propel it into become a very successful one. So I would rather have them stay with me longer than stay with me for just six months or seven months and then close shop. Yeah, yeah, because it was too expensive or something. So yes. um, I'm just, just because I'm curious and we're in the middle of our whole global pandemic thing, how has the whole, how have your businesses that you've been, um, have leased into your spaces, how have they been surviving through this whole pandemic? Well, I, I ironically, because most of my lessees are into the essentials, like bakery, bake shop, selling of vegetables and grocery items, and bicycle and bicycle parts, which is when there is a transportation problem, the, the local government would encourage them to use the bicycles instead of automobiles or taking the public transportation when it's not available. So they're essential. So they're open. They're allowed to do business. Nice. So they are, the, the movement of their items is not that fast as usual because people are in quarantine but because they are engaged in a business that is a necessity, people will patronize them instead of other nunchals. So they remained open. But for them to survive, I have to cut down the lease costs. So I have to give them some discounts on the months when we were in general quarantine. So instead of, of asking for, mm -hmm, instead of asking for the full amount, what I asked is I only asked for 50%. So I gave them a 50% cut. So instead of just suspending payment, what I did was I gave discount that would be equivalent to giving them that when the city was under general community quarantine, there would be no lease for them to pay. 
Because the rule of law uh, uh, in the Philippines, the rule is that if you're into leasing, you do not collect from April, May, and June, but you collect the sum total of those months starting July up to September, uh, up to December. So, so say if one space is good for 20,000, that's around, I think, $400, am mm -hmm. I correct? $400? Uh, I don't know what the exchange rate is off the top of my head, but. <laughs> <laughs> but 20, 20 grand around, yeah, that's the, the, the least cost, uh, the, the cost of the rent. So instead of charging them 20,000 for that particular month of April, May, and June, I just collected 10,000. So instead of starting, collect, starting to collect the full amount when there was already a loser rule in quarantine, I still maintained the 50% off so that it would be equivalent to giving, giving them a free rent from April, May, and June. So that's my way of supporting them because if I will not be supporting them, both of us will sink. Yeah. Both of us will die. So I would rather live on our respiratory our respirator first, economic respirator, based on my savings, than kill the goose that lays the golden egg. Makes a lot of so sense. Mm-hmm. So, so that's my how I next I, my next question for you um, is about your origin story. It's basically how you got started in business, how you became an entrepreneur, right? So we say on this show, every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. And we want to hear that story. Were you born a hero or were you, you know, bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into business? Or did you start in a job and eventually move to become an entrepreneur? Um, we basically want to know where you came from. How did you get into this business of being a lessor? In your community. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's going to be a long story, you know, but to cut it short, my parents are, my parents are basically Chinese. So they're really into trading. So my dad and my mom were into, into business. And from that business, they were able to invest on real estate. They were able to build buildings. And from that, that's how I turned out to become a real estate lesser. So from, from, a, from a child of parents who are into business, it's like a destiny for me. Like there's no other way that I have to go but to be in business. Awesome. So that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> no, but the question your, your parents. So your parents, so your parents first, gave you a good example. Yes. So the question of whether or not I'm a hero or not is, is a question that I would not be able to answer, but I think it would be the people around my community or the people around me would be the best person to say whether I'm a hero or not. Because you see, heroism is a question depending on perception. Like, 
um, what would you consider as a heroic deed for this person to be considered a hero? So because, in, uh, in, in, our, in our little world, the story that we're trying to create here with our podcast is the idea that, um, and this is, this is sort of an American cultural phenomenon we've had over the last you know, 50 to 60 years in our country, that the villain in all of our stories and even in the childhood stories that we have, they're always entrepreneurs, right? It's always some entrepreneur mm -hmm. who's pouring oil in the water and killing the ducks or some various, you know, variation on that story. Um, and I've always not liked that, that story that we have in America that the entrepreneur is the villain. Because the reality is that most entrepreneurs, the overwhelming majority of them, in fact, are the ones that are providing the services and providing the products and providing the uh you know the essential things that make our world go around so everything that we interact with on a daily basis was at some point touched and handled by an entrepreneur so entrepreneurs are really the enablers of the life that we live today um, and so we're just trying to shift that narrative and say that hey entrepreneurs are actually heroes in their communities and to your point you or to what you do you guys you're a hero in your community because you're providing business space for other businesses to help support them um, and help them get started yeah uh, funny thing, when I was probably around grade six, so I started sixth grade one, so I, um, I was practically around 11 years old. I can remember my dad telling me that what is, what's important in life is not how much you earn, but how much money that you will earn is not important, but it's how much respect that you've gained in the society is more important than the money that you will be gaining from the society. That's, what he, that, that's the, the value that he, he left me before he passed away six years after. So if, if, if you look at entrepreneurs as somebody, as one of those who energizes the economy, that makes the money go round, that treats money like manure, that you need to spread it and encourage new things to grow, as Barbara Streisand would always say it, or said it in a concert, then the one spreading the manure, which is the money, is a hero in his own I really like ride. that metaphor. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good metaphor. That if you're uh, the, the entrepreneurs are the ones spreading the manure so they can help things grow. That's a uh, that's yeah. a good way to think about think about Helping that. Helping new things to grow and encourage them to bloom. Absolutely. Because without so, so my next question for you then is about your own superpowers, right? So we say every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's a fancy flying suit made of vitamin intellect or the ability to call down thunder, right? heroes in the real world have what I call a zone of genius, which is a skill or it's a set of skills that you either were born with or you developed over time that really allow you to help other people, that allow you to do what you do. Um, so you can help your customers or your clients in this case come out on top in their journeys. So just with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower is in, in business? Justice. Justice. One word. So explain Justice. that for me. What do you, what do you mean? It's by being just. Do your transactions within the, para, uh, within the paradigm of justice. That you give everyone his due 
and get what is only due to you. And it is justice. Uh, there is legal justice, and I'm talking of economic justice, that you cannot get more than what you have given, and you cannot get more than what you were able to give. Absolutely, that's uh, where you get into the win-win scenarios. So if I'm understanding yes. you correctly, your ability mm -hmm. to create win-win scenarios for you and the other side of the transaction or anyone who's involved is where, where your, uh, your strength comes in. Yes, looking at things in a positive way, although to some it's the most stupid idea I ever imagined or for them to have thought of. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, you know, so it, just off the top of my head, when you were talking about it, during this pandemic, offering the 50% discount to your, your lessees, that's sort of mm -hmm. a, an, a way to offer that sort of justice or that win-win situation while we're all suffering under a pandemic that you can still help them mm -hmm. keep their businesses open and hopefully thrive later on. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And aside from that, because I, as a lawyer, what Mark knows is that I retired as a lawyer, but I started practice again when I updated my, updated my, my CLE, I think, in, 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 in the U.S. You call it the continuing legal education. In the Philippines, yeah. we call it the mandatory con continuing legal education. So when I started complying for my CLE, the U.S. Mm -hmm. equivalent, I started accepting clients. So during the pandemic, they would ask me labor matters. What would be the best solution when it comes to how to deal with employees who is out of work because the company is closed? Mm -hmm. So I gave them guidelines on how to be able to help the, their employees financially. And if the business needs to retrench because of redundancy, because there is because of the because of this COVID nineteen, there is a rule now that the capacity of one place should only be fifty percent. Must be must only be occupied fifty percent of that capacity to be able to observe social distancing. Yeah, I think it's already being practiced in the U.S. Yeah. Okay, so I gave them guidelines as to what kind of employees would you be targeting to retrench, uh, retrench or remove first so that there would be justice that you would not be removing someone who has served you for so long and is entitled to more benefits. That's why you are cutting the ties off with this guy. Yeah. So, but it's more of who are essential for your company, who are essential for your company to thrive, survive, and grow. So these are somehow the, the criteria that I have given them have, have guided them in terms of how to, to select the employee who to terminate and put them on, on an on-call basis. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they call that furloughing employees here in the U.S. And so you've been mm -hmm. giving guidance on how to do that in a, in a just way. Yes. Makes sense.
So the flip side then of your superpower is of course the fatal flaw. So if your superpower is justice, um, the fatal flaw <laughs> is the other side of that, right? So just like every super, Superman has his kryptonite or Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad, you probably have a flaw that's held you back in your business, something that you struggled with. Maybe like me, it's things like perfectionism that kept me from shipping products to the market or lack of self-care, which means I let my clients walk all over me at some points in my business. Um, but I think more important than what the flaw is, is how you've dealt with it, right? How have you worked to overcome that flaw so that you can continue to grow your business? And hopefully sharing that will uh, help some of our listeners learn from your experience there. Well, primarily, my flaw, which is justice, the flaw is when somebody would not abide by the rules, then it becomes a flaw. But if you... It's going to sound negative, but, but if you weaponize the law, if you use the law to achieve the justice because somebody did not follow the rules, then it goes back to being equalized again. So the flaw will just, at the first glance, it's a flaw, but again, with the principle of justice and equity, if you would just use the law to use uh, to use the law to equalize the inequities, then again you get justice. So justice so if is I'm, back. If I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying the uh, justice has its positive side, and then the negative side of justice is that sometimes you have to come in and bring the arm, you know, the, uh, the enforcement of the law down on people, right? So that, that yes. the law is applied properly and that's the negative side of that. Um, mm -hmm. But the result is that it brings you back to that justice. It brings the equilibrium but again, back. But, but, but we're only talking here of the human law, which is imperfect because we are in an imperfect world. And that is the, 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 the primary flaw of that concept of justice that I'm talking about. But then again, if you are a person who does not abide by the law alone of the human law, but you also abide by a divine law, your fear of a super being, that your existence is not purely human existence, that you believe into something that there is a being more powerful and will definitely give you that justice that you deserve, then you would be afraid to do what is not right because you, are, you, you have the divine and natural law that you have to follow. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things I talk about all the time with our, uh, um, I have a concept I call the five freedoms and the first one of those is spiritual freedom and understanding how mm -hmm. you fit into that, uh, you know, divine law, essentially. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of deep, and uh, I think it's spiritually philosophical, so I don't want to at this hour. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what time is it in, uh, in the Philippines right now? It's 4 o'clock in the morning. It's a sleeping time. But yeah, I so it's, yeah, it's into... 4, in the p 4 p.m. here, so we're like exactly 12 hours opposite. So you're in New York, New York area. 
yeah, New York, so Florida, um, yeah. Florida. Yeah. Uh huh. So that's the that's the time time zone. Uh huh. Yep. Absolutely. So, so so it's coffee time over there. Just about. We're getting ready to do uh to do dinner here after this interview is done. So my mm -hmm. next question for you then is about your common enemy, right? So every superhero has an arch nemesis. It's a thing that they constantly have to fight against in their world, right? So in the world of business, it takes on many forms, but generally speaking, we put it in the context of your clients. What's a mindset or a flaw that you're constantly having to fight against with your clients, right? Your lessees, um, so that you can help them get better results in their life or in their business. So. Do you have something that you're constantly fighting against with the people that you work with so that you can, you know, they get better results? Inflation. The common enemy of business and entrepreneurs is inflation. It's, it comes every two years or every year. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, it's difficult for you, for, for somebody from my point of view, it's difficult for me to show them that it's important for me to have at least an increase across the board by reason of inflation. Yeah. For them, every increase is unreasonable. For a lessee, when the lesser would increase their rent, for a lessee, that's unreasonable. What they cannot understand is that you are not the only one who needs to survive. Yeah. I need to survive as well. I need to buy things that you are buying, like food. The food that you're buying costs the same thing, the same amount, if I'm going to buy the same food. But they cannot understand that that the fact that the prices that they're selling are already increasing. So therefore, in the same way, they need to increase capitalization in terms of rent and inventory. Yeah. But yeah. they can understand that. It's a, it's a so, tough concept, right? Especially because, most, almost, if I'm not mistaken, every currency in the world right now is backed by a debt-based currency, right? It's backed by the US dollar, which is a debt-based currency, which means that it is over time, as, as our Federal Reserve, as terrible as it is doing right now, is printing more and more money, um, mm -hmm. the value of the currency is going down. And every other currency that's pegged their value to the dollar, which I believe the peso is, is one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, as time goes on, the currency is worth less. So it takes more of it to purchase the same thing. Uh, mm -hmm. So, it's a it's a difficult concept to understand, and I think I think as most people, most non entrepreneurs, um, they don't look at the world and think, hey, if you know, in, in our world, if I have you know a, a, a package of eggs costs one dollar to you know this year, and then next year the package of eggs costs a dollar fifty, it's not the eggs that got more expensive, it's the dollar that it's got less economy. valuable. Yeah. It's the economy right. that's it's getting bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the, do the dollar or, you know, the currency is actually getting less valuable because the value of the eggs didn't change, right? 12 eggs is 12 eggs, um, mm -hmm. right? And it was 12 eggs last year and it's 12 eggs this year. So if mm -hmm. it now suddenly costs $1.50 to buy those eggs instead of a dollar, then you are... It's the value um, of the money that is not good. It's the, yeah, it's the value of the money that's going down. Um, it's not the so value in the, the same good. way... Mm. 
Yeah, in the same, in the way, same way, you know, yes. your your rent is going up because the dollar, you know, the the peso or the it's a Philippine peso, right, is going yes, down. Sir. So you have to increase rent to to make up for that. Yes, and it's a different. <laughs> it's a difficult concept to convey to Leslie because it, to them it sounds whimsical and capricious. And yeah. Unreasonable. So how how do you uh, how do you deal with that? Oh, I sit down with them and give them a talk for an hour. So I usually I would usually ask them to questions like, "Oh, how is your inventory with the flour for the bake shop? How much are you buying the flour per sack right now?" And so, oh, it has gone up. And what about your eggs? Oh, it has also gone up. I eat eggs. I need flour, and it costs the same. So I need to increase. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting that you have to have these same discussions all over the world for uh, for deflationary over currencies. Mm -hmm. Over coffee and cake. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's going to be, it has to be a friendly discussion or else when it becomes antagonistic, then nothing positive will come out of it. So it has yeah. to be over coffee. And because Philippines is a tropical country, I do not serve hot or warm coffee. It has to be iced coffee. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so, just because I'm curious, does cake mean the same thing in Philippines as it does here in the U.S., or is it cake similar to the British cake, which I think is a different, it's a different thing over in in Britain? No, basically the cake cake that we eat. Because <laughs> cake here is like a dessert, right? It's a it's a yes. thick dessert thing that you put it's frosting on. Yeah. A pound cake or a, a loaf of butter cake or a cheesecake or a chocolate mm. moist cake. Mm -hmm. So we usually that match good. it. I think you're, if you're going to have a discussion about finances, that's a good way to do it is over cake. <laughs> sweet things make people have emotional rush. And when you are emotional, you do not become rational. So they, I, I, catch them off guard <laughs> <laughs> i think there's some uh some 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 secret messages for people who have to have tough conversations about uh, doing it over coffee and cake in the future you you put their defenses down yeah. right uh-huh so when it's over coffee somebody would tend to put down the barriers they tend to relax because the smell of coffee is very relaxing and the look of a very delicious, luscious dessert is very inviting. So the negative energies are now turning into really positive. Makes a lot of sense. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. 
The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now back to the hero show. So the flip side then of your common enemy, common enemy is inflation, is your driving force, right? So just like Spider-Man mm-hmm. fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, what is it that mm-hmm. you fight for? What's your mission, so to speak, for your business? Oh, my mission is to, I'm a very <laughs> self-centered entrepreneur. My mission is I want my lessees, my tenants, to grow so that I will grow because if they grow, I will be living a comfortable, a more comfortable life. I would not be looking for another tenant to take my space. So I will do my best. So I always make it known to them before we sign up the, the con, we sign the contract before I ink a deal with them. I, I have to make sure that they understand that I am their partner, not their enemy. That I am part of their capital investment. That they have to be kind to me so that I will be kind to them. Yeah, so it has yeah, to be a mutual a relationship. Yeah, it's back to that win-win justice thing. Like, hey, I, you know, I'm here yeah. to help you grow. When you grow, I grow. Uh, yes. And, and uh, stuff like that. So just because I'm, I'm curious about this, you are you looking to expand your... Um, the number of, uh, what do you call my like commercial spaces you have, so you can have more, uh, more I've lessons? Expanded, I've expanded from, again, the order to Manila. But in Manila, I started with residential flats. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, you are, you're, so you now you're investing in Cagandai Aro and Manila. Those are on two separate islands, right? Two separate islands, major islands. Uh, Manila, Manila is in Luzon. Again, the Oro is in Mindanao. Mindanao is down south. Manila is up north. So again, just curiosity here because I've never been, gotten to visit the Philippines. Do you fly between islands or do you boat between islands? I used to, but as as of the moment, I couldn't fly. Funny, because <laughs> things that we used to watch in the movies, where everything has to be done virtual. Mm-hmm. including meeting and talking about rents and everything and sending of the contract has to be virtual. It happened to me. <laughs> so now everything is virtual. So, so do, you even, do you even go and look at the properties in Manila before you purchase them or do you do it all virtual now? The, the thing is, I already bought the properties before the COVID okay. situation. So I bought them three or four years ago. So it was... Develop. It's a condo. It's a condominium unit that I'm renting as a residential space. So it's there. It's available. I have agents. So it's the agents who look for 
who will look for possible occupants and I will just be giving them commission. And that's how we close the deal. The thing was the contract that needs to be notarized where a notary public needs to put the seal in the contract. There has to be, the, the, the contract has to be notarized twice, twice. Yeah. Once here in the city and the other one in Manila because the notary public could not attest for me because I was not there. Yeah. But the notary public in Manila cannot attest, uh, the notary public here cannot attest to the tenant in Manila because the tenant in Manila is not here. And the sad part, unlike in the U.S. that you already have a digital notary, here in the Philippines, there is none yet. Yeah, the uh, digital notaries are um, are fairly new in the last couple of years, but I just had uh, something I had to get notarized a couple of weeks ago, and it was cool. They were able to, uh, we get on video, uh, mm -hmm. and you sign the document over video um, with them, and uh, you sign it online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool, um, and it was fairly inexpensive, right? It was about the same cost it was to go see a, um, a notary in person. It was I think it was probably about 50% more expensive than seeing a notary in person be able to do it digitally. But it, yeah, so hopefully that technology starts make it a, making it around the globe because it's really a, really convenient. <laughs> you don't leave the house. You don't look for a parking. You don't pay for a parking. You don't get arrested for speeding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or for whatever traffic violation you would unknowingly commit. <laughs> Awesome. So my next question for you is about your own personal heroes, right? So every hero has their mentors. You know, Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had his Obi-Wan Kenobi, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, and Spider-Man had his Uncle Ben. So who are some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors? Were they speakers or authors, perhaps? Um, or were they peers who were just a few years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your business? They have to understand that we are Asians. So Asians would usually look up to their parents. So I look up yeah. to my dad. It was, it's, it's my dad who, who gave me the values and the work ethic of a good entrepreneur, where it's, again, as I said, do not get what you do not deserve. So it's yeah, yeah. those things. And to me, my dad is the hero because he was able to tell me everything that I needed to know even before he died. And all are so much, everything that he told me were validated when I already started taking the business into my own hands. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier that your parents are Chinese born. Um, were you born in China as well? Or were you born in the Philippines? No, my parents are already born in the Philippines. I, I was born in the Philippines. It's just my grandparents migrated from China to the Philippines. Okay. So my mom was born here in the Philippines, somewhere in Visayas, which is called Iloilo. And my dad was born in Mindanao, but somewhere in Malaybalay. That's another city. So you're a second generation Filipino then. Because uh, your Third parents were born there. Third generation. Yeah, that's the way that works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. So, um, 
my uh, one of the uh, the last things I want to talk about on Iron Review is your guiding principles, right? So one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. For instance, Batman never kills his enemies; he only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. Um, so as we wrap up the interview, I want to talk about top one or maybe two principles that you use regularly in your life um, and you apply in your business. The scales of justice. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how, do you go, how do you go about applying the uh, scales of justice to your everyday work? I would always put myself in one end and the person that I am having business with on the other end. That scale should not be one side higher or lower. It has to be always equal. If it will never be equal, that means something has to be done and something needs to be corrected. So that is my, my weapon. That's how I measure whether I am doing what is right. And always ask the question, if my dad is going to be in this situation, how would he do it? That's a good question. And I like that, uh, that idea where you're like, hey, in any deal that you're putting together, how do you make sure that everyone is walking away with the same value, right? Like there might mm -hmm, be different mm -hmm. things on those scales, but the value is the same. Uh, yeah. And that's a, it's a good way to, uh, to look at it. It's something that uh, um, I sort of do unconsciously as well, but I love that that's, it's a picture you use whenever you're putting, to, putting together a deal. If you're, you're buying a pair of shoes of Nike as compared to a Puma, a buyer who prefers a Nike, it's because, if, it's because of Michael Jordan. And yeah. the endorsement by Michael Jordan is one way put on the side of the scale of the consumer. And the amount spent by Nike for Michael Jordan to endorse Nike is the weight that they are putting on their end. In the same mm -hmm. way as the endorser of Puma are also investing into that kind of weight put into each other's end of scale, ends of the scale rather. Mm. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. So mm -hmm. that's basically a wrap on our interview, but I do finish every interview off with, with a simple challenge that I call the Heroes Challenge. And we do this to help get access to new stories that we might not otherwise find on our own. So the question is simple. Do you have someone in your network or in your, uh, in your life that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story here on the Hero Show? Well, somebody I met when I was starting out, when I just finished law school and I was looking for something productive to do and I met her. She franchised uh, finishing school in the U.S., it's, uh, it's a finishing modeling school, but I don't know if it's popular still in the U.S. Have you heard of John Robert Powers? I have not, but uh, if we can get an introduction, we would love to have her on the show and hear her story. No. The lady who I met who franchised that business, that school, is somebody who is also a hero because she empowers everyone who works for her or who had worked for her. That's awesome. Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll reach out later um, and see if we can uh, and get her on the show as well. 
Um, and so that basically another, is a another hero that I want. Sadly, but he just passed away last year. Was my employer when I was still in law school. I worked as a speech consultant in Manila. So I am sure you're not wondering why I do not sound Filipino, Filipino. Yeah. So he has this very wonderful work ethic that if you want to encourage people to have self-confidence, you do not, you do not tell them what is wrong with them, but you tell them what is good about them and pound on that what is good and what needs to be improved, but never say what is wrong. And that is what he called as creative speech, because according to him, there are two kinds of speeches. There is what you call as a creative and a destructive speech. So he would always, as speech consultants, we would go through a training with him, with him for, for several hours. He would, he, he trained us to, to say creative words on things mm -hmm. that are negative, things that we can easily complain about. Like one night, it was a rainy night. He took us out and said, okay, look at the streets. Of course, there was some pool of water, mud and everything. And he, said, he, he told us, his instruct, instruction was, describe it positively. Interesting. So you had to, <laughs> to, learn, how to uh, learn how to speak in the positive instead of in the negative. That's a, it's a good uh -huh. skill to have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... So that's one hero, sadly, but he, he, he passed away. But he, would have, he was also the first Filipino to, to teach speech in Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he passed, passed away last year. And, and this lady, because after him, after I worked for him, I worked for this lady who married to a British guy. I worked for her as a, as a communication teacher for his for her modeling school. So, and it is not only modeling school that she's into, but also into other businesses. And she is an entrepreneur herself. Awesome. Well, we will uh, reach out afterwards and see if we can uh, connect to get her on the show. Um, but. Basically, that wraps our interview. So, Samantha, thanks so much for coming on the show. And as we wrap up, what I want to do is find out if there's any places online or on social media where um, if we have someone who wanted to reach out or follow you where they could find you. And, uh, you know, if we happen to have, I don't know that we have a huge audience in the Philippines yet, but if we happen to have anyone who's looking for a business space, if they wanted to reach out to you, where could they do that? Mm -hmm. So I'm very visible in Facebook. It's, awesome. It's and where Facebook. would where would they find you there? It's just uh, uh, Samantha Tan. Yes, Samantha S Tan. And Samantha S Tan on Facebook. Okay. On Facebook. Awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much for. 
for uh, coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. It was cool to hear your perspective and to get to see a little bit of how the uh, commercial real estate world works over in the Philippines. So again, thank you for, so much for coming on and sharing your story today. And thank you for inviting me and for thank you for making me as the first Filipino guest to your show. <laughs> awesome. Glad to have you here. Um, <laughs> it and is such a privilege. Before I hit that uh, that stop record button, do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience? Well, final words of wisdom, make it work and everything will work. <laughs> make That's it all. work. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Sam. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you. And you have a good morning. <laughs> <laughs>